Yeah, if the COSPA team would go ahead and join me up here this morning, that would be great. We're going to give them opportunity to um, share, uh, share briefly. Um, let's go ahead and stand up on stage. I think we can fit up there. <clears throat> and we're just going to have them, yeah, just come up here and... Um, then we're going to have them introduce, each of them introduce themselves and uh, just maybe share a, a, a highlight or something that was impactful uh, for you as, uh, as you um, made this trip and lived day to day during the trip. Uh, you had some, a uh, lot of, a little few challenges, but nonetheless, God was gracious and you were able to be impactful. So uh, whoever wants to, to start, uh, take it away. And Bob's got the mic, so there you go. Hello, uh, my name's Bob, and I was one of the leaders for this trip. Um, I'm not going to speak much because I, I lived in Kosovo for three years, and I've done these trips several times, and I think it would be more exciting for you to hear from my teammates. Okay? Okay, I'm going to share something that a student um, actually posted on the... Oh. I, I'm sorry, I'm Pat Scholes, his wife. <laughs> keep, keep your mic up, too. There you go. And I'm going to actually share something that a student posted on the crew, Campus Crusade for Christ in Kosovo, on their website the week after the camp. And this girl was actually in mine, Ben and Megan's class, and I actually got to have a few sessions with her and her friend. And God actually got to came up, come up in the conversation. Um, just a quick explanation. This is a 95% Muslim country, and there are rules that you strictly have to follow about sharing with um, any, anyone under the age of 18. So maybe we can talk about God a bit, but we have to be very cautious about Jesus. She says, I don't usually post anything on social media, but I feel like I really have to share my amazing experience with the New Life Institute high school summer camp. The camp lasted for five days, and those were the best five days I have never, ever experienced. I made new friends, played many games. My favorite was Twister. Tried delicious American snacks, built a chair with other high schoolers, went to a pool and did many other amazing activities, and I also improved my English. The camp really helped me to be more self-confident, happy, optimistic, or should I say it in other words, this camp helped me be the best version of myself. I, I'm also thankful to the teachers I had there and everyone who participated in the camp. I'm Trevor Butch. Uh, this was my first time being completely out of the country, even, um, let alone a mission trip. So that was already an awesome experience for me. Uh, but for me, uh, I think the most impactful moment was um, when we went to a, a church that, more, uh, that first Sunday we were there, and um, everything is completely in Albanian. Uh, I can't understand a word anybody is saying, um, but they were still worshiping the same God that we worshiped and um, singing songs that I, I even recognized the tune of the songs. And I was able to sing in English with it, um, which was just so emotional for me um, just to be like, hey, I'm someplace else. And we can't communicate hardly with some of these people because they don't speak English. I don't speak Albanian much, um, but we're still worshiping the same songs, the same God. Um, just that connection um, to the Christians there was so cool. Um, and then for for me on the youth ministry side of things, uh, really encouraging to see that 
kids are the same <laughs> pretty much everywhere that they are. They are making the same jokes, the same, you know, fun, you know, back and forth with, uh, with us. And um, it was just really cool. Hi, I'm Linda Henry. Um, this is my third year going. Um, every year has been different. So even though we plan for things to happen and things to go our way, it doesn't necessarily work out that way. Um, this trip was a little different um, with not having the majority of our stuff. Um, let kind of made you rely on God 100% more than what you thought you would do since you were like, oh, I'm going, I have this plan. We've been working on these lessons and details and everything. And God's like, mm, no, you're not going to have any of that. Um, so that was probably the biggest impact or most eye-opening learning experience for myself was that you can do things that you think you're going to do and that you think you want to do on these mission trips, but once you get there, your plans and your desires go out the window, and it is all up to God on what's going to be done and what he wants you to do when you get there. Was anyone on the team surprised the music didn't work? It's very appropriate. <laughs> on the video that was it worked earlier when we tested it that's an indication right there of how things go in Kosova right there perfect example you got to witness it um, anyway I'm Kara Phillips I'm going to speak um, on a couple different um, incidences that happened um, to the to the nature of the Kosovo people and their um the way that they look on Americans actually opens the door for us up tremendously to be able to share with them because they are incredibly welcoming to us. And there's a lot of backstory and reasons why. Um, you know, first, when you get in there, you come down uh, Bill Clinton Billboard in, uh, you know, downtown Kosovo. Uh, many of you who are old enough know, um, you know, 20 years ago, the wars that happened when the Serbians were... Um, doing the ethnic cleansing, and the Americans came in and with NATO forces and helped to stop that. So um, there is an overwhelming, um, Bob and Pat actually did a wonderful job training us and teaching us about cultural things, and this is one of the ones that they said, that Americans are welcomed. They are loved, they are lauded, they are praised, and we all kind of went, oh, okay. You know, and in this time and age, that's just something that's very unusual. So um, we had a firsthand experience of that. Um, ben kind of got the tail end of it, but we, all of us, except Bob and Pat, went to a store to do some shopping. And um, I was trying to find someone to help me because I couldn't find something that I was looking for. First person who came didn't really realize that I did not speak Albanian. Uh, went to said, wait here, I'm going to go get somebody else. Um, she walked up to me and I said, hey, I'm trying to find a price on this. She said, can you wait a second? I got to finish what I'm doing. I'll come back. And I said, yes, I'm fine. I'm browsing. We're in no rush. And it was like a small Walmart type store where it had groceries and everything. So we're all browsing. Um, she comes back and she helps me with what I need. And I say, thank you very much. And she starts to walk away and she goes, oh my goodness, your English is amazing. I just have to tell you. And I said, well, well, thank you. I, I, I would hope so. I, it's my native language. I'm from the United States. And she lit up her face, and she did one of those little happy jumps, like, oh! and she went, you, you're an American? You're here, are you here visiting? 
are you here on vacation, on holiday? And I said, well, yes, we're here helping with some NGOs. And she goes, oh my goodness. I cannot believe I get to meet an American. I got to meet an American. I can't believe I get to go home and tell my family tonight that I got to meet an American. I'm so excited. I'm so glad I got to meet you. And she ran off. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, she, it was amazing. It was so surreal. It was very bizarre. Um, But the point to that is that this has been shared because this woman was probably in her 20s. This isn't the, you know, we hear... I was expecting to hear from the older generation and those that were in their 40s, those that had lived through the experience of being liberated. But it has been passed down and shared through the generations that all of them thank the Americans. We had, many of us had people that we didn't know, we only met and said thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for helping our country. Um, and that leads me to my second point. We had a dinner, excuse me, a lunch with um, two coasts of our families, but the first one was a lunch after church on the first Sunday that we were there. And Hyria and Jalal, I believe, were the husband and wife who had invited us in their home. They had three kids. We sat out in their garden, and this was not a family that had much. They were very poor, um, but they went all out. We ate very well. We ate very well the whole trip. This is an exceptional um, dinner, and uh, they were translating through their oldest son, Sven, who had just graduated and was going to university, and they had shared, um, Maureen, who was an American missionary there, had asked them to share, um, actually, no, I think I'm getting off topic, but he, he actually had, had said to us, because they actually shared a little bit of their experience through the war, um, and his... Um, story was that he was in the house that he currently lived in, and when the NATO forces had come, he um, had said that they knew that many of them were going to die. They knew that um, there would still be casualties. They'd been dying, you know, at the hands of the Serbs all this time, but they did not care if they died at the hands of the Americans or the other allied NATO forces because um, they knew that they were there to help and they knew they were going to be liberated, and they knew their life was going to change. And he had spent his whole adult life, he'd wanted, anytime he had had opportunity and always said if he met an American, he wanted to thank them personally, and he would consider it an honor to invite them into their home. And so he was tears in his eyes, you know, is, (laughs) we're sitting there, and he's telling us this, you know, and we're all, you know, generation, many of us, removed from this. And so um, that speaks to the nature of how they feel about Americans. And so we have a unique opportunity to be able to go in and share. They're open to us. The students, that was only a portion of uh, the five days that we were there. That was specifically just the English camp. But those kids were, yes, they are teenagers, but they are amazingly gracious, welcoming. I tried to sit with them every time we had lunch, and there was nothing that I did not want for. If I was missing a napkin, they went and got me a napkin. If I was missing my drinks, it was as this fool. They were pouring me another drink. They were asking, you know, they were just completely going out of their way to serve us, to appreciate us. So that was the atmosphere, and that speaks to a little bit of our experience. Sorry, I talked so long. So kind of going along with what Kara said, um, one of the things that I think was really impactful of how we 
interacted with them was yes, they were very welcoming. They were wonderful in how they treated us, but they were also very open and very vulnerable with how they talked with us and how they shared their stories and how they spoke of the impact of the war on them. And I think that opened a big avenue, I mean, to share the healing truth of the gospel. And I think it showed us, and I know we talked about this a lot, but the urgency of the gospel there as we interacted with the crew staff, as we interacted with other believers in Kosovo, they see the need of the gospel in their country because of the brokenness that they've experienced. And I think all the people are very open about what's broken and how they need some help. And I think that's something that we miss here in America is in general, we're not a vulnerable people. We don't want to share those things with each other. And we, because of that, I think we miss the need for the gospel. And I think it just helped all of us to see that there is a great need for the gospel for every person here, even in church, in those outside these four walls, there is a great need for the gospel everywhere. And I think being in that foreign place where we truly see the need in every person and see the brokenness in each person that we interacted with, we see the need for that gospel. And it was just a very awakening experience to me and a lot of us of just how we need to be more urgent with how we share our faith and with our evangelism because we are all broken here and everybody needs that gospel and we want to share that with them. We want to share the joy that we have in Christ and we want to make an effort to do that because of our experiences and because of the love that God has for us. So, um, My name is Megan Hermits. Um, this is Ben. <laughs> I don't know if you introduced yourself. Um, yeah, so in addition to the five-day English camp we did with teenagers, um, the most impactful part of this short-term mission trip for me was reaching out to underserved populations. And so I had the um, privilege of being able to provide music therapy. That's um, what I do for my job. I'm a music therapist. So I got to provide music therapy for um, families with children with autism, which is what my part of my training is in. Um, and even though I didn't have any of my instruments, they were all in a suitcase in, like, I think, Maine at that point. Um, <laughs> God was still so glorified, and we got so much positive feedback from the families and their teachers. And even though I felt like I didn't have my tools, um, I had God. And those families were just so appreciative of us caring for their children that don't get any services provided in that country. Um, Maureen, who um, was a special education teacher in the States, who is now a missionary over there, said they have the second worst education in the world. And so spe special education is not even a thing over there at all. And so these children don't get any services that they need. So that was really impactful. And um, there was a lot of violence against women, in particular during the war 20 years ago. And it's not really talked about. They don't, they haven't healed from that. Um, nobody acknowledges really that that happened. And so the last weekend we were there, we got to bring a whole community of those women, probably about 20 of them. And Maureen, or I'm sorry, Pat got to lead um, a few seminars about identity. And even though there was a translator, they didn't understand English, um, they understood the message and they related to those feelings of brokenness. And through that, 
um, we got to share our identity in Christ. And I mean, these women who were my age when that happened to them, and they're all now, you know, like in their 40s or 50s, um, they said, we've never been told we're not what happened to us. And so now they can really start healing. And now they can start, they have community with one another to start talking about it. And through that, we got to share how we are all broken and um, we found our peace in Christ, our identity in Christ. All right, well, thanks. Yeah, go ahead and give them a hand. <laughs> so, yeah, just a great opportunity you guys had to share. And they, a couple alluded to that, but they had major luggage problems um, the whole trip. And so, you know, testimony to you guys, testimony to God's grace that you maintained attitudes that were helpful and um, beneficial in a difficult situation when there was very little luggage, very little change of clothes, those sorts of things for much of the trip. But uh, you persevered and no doubt will have stories forever that will be funny, um, I'm sure. But uh, nonetheless, you were able to be helpful and and continue the mission regardless. Let me say a word of prayer for you as we we continue this morning. Uh, Dear Lord, we're just so grateful uh, for the stories that this team share, that um, even in spite of the difficulty of luggage being lost, luggage not arriving, no um, musical instruments, less tools that they had planned and practiced and wanted to use, Um, you had grander plans, you might say, and I'm confident that both the the people of of Kosova and the people of this team were changed um, by this um, experience, by um, living you out through their work that uh, you had prepared in advance for them to do uh, before they ever left home that morning to the airport when they had no idea that that'd be the last time they saw their luggage for days and days. Um, God, we are so grateful to your work. Um, We're grateful most of all for your work on the cross. And that's a message that is worth sharing, a message that's worth being excited about, a message that deserves urgency uh, in Kosova, uh, in our community here, at the Upward Field, um, at the face painting booth, and any interactions we have. And so we just are uh, uh, we're thankful for that message. We're eternally grateful. And, and our lives have changed um, as, as many of us have been saved. And uh, we just ask for that drive and being compelled in our own hearts to share this life-changing message with others. So we just thank you for the opportunity uh, for that this team had, and just thank you for the opportunity this morning to hear and to, to really uh, relive and to, to remember again the work that, that you're doing uh, through this group and did through this group and through this body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nate and Trudy, go ahead and you come up here and join me up here. It'd be great. So Nate and Trudy have been a part of New Life for years and years, and a number of... Huh, my stool disappeared. Um, <laughs> and a number of years ago, um, God called them to West Virginia to live and, and to uh, leave the central Ohio area and to move your family and to uh, not be a part of this family week to week, 
but uh, continue to be a part. We've remained connected, and, and uh, several families are, are good friends with, with these guys. And as a leadership team, we remain connected and, and uh, oftentimes see Nate and some of, of his uh, friends at the men's retreat at Sawada Hills. And um, Paul and Eric have done retreats, and their, fam- their wives have done retreats with you guys. So um, I've, I feel like they've never left, but yet you look up and you've been gone for quite a while, <laughs> but it's always awesome uh, to come back. We see your kids from time to time, um, and so it's really, really been cool. And so um, just in general, it's, it's awesome to have you here today and so glad you're able to share. And uh, so just uh, go ahead and, and give us an update of, of what's uh, been going on with your family, uh, first and foremost, and uh, how, things, how things are on, on that front. Hey, y'all. Good to be here with you guys today. And uh, so we've been in, living in West Virginia for about eight years now. And um, a, lot of, a lot of things have changed. This is the first time we've been with you guys here in this facility. So a little different for us. And uh, we have five kids. Um, the oldest four are moved out and uh, one left at home, Simon. I think Trudy wants to share a little bit about kind of their stories real briefly, right? <laughs> I think everybody know, who knows me knows I do not want to be up here sharing with a microphone. <laughs> okay. Greg says I have to put it like this. All right, so we do have five kids. Uh, Drew is our oldest. He's in the Air Force. He's been serving there for about seven years, and he is awaiting... Uh, he's got orders to serve in South Korea for a year. He'll be leaving in a few weeks. Uh, and then after that, the plan is for him to go to Guam for two years. Uh, so, big things for him. He's very excited. His mother's not so much. But, that's the way it goes. Uh, Marissa lives close to us, about 20 minutes away or something, in an apartment. She's, she started her first job at Chick-fil-A many years ago, and she's still there. She's quite happy. Uh, just doing Chick-fil-A and living life. Abigail... It's hard to keep her down. She's so busy. She was here just a few weeks ago for church. Okay. Um, So she's an EMT. I guess I didn't know that. Um, uh, (laughs) She just is so busy. She She works as an EMT in Princeton. She also is taking paramedic classes and is due to graduate in the spring. And she's also a barista at Starbucks. In her free time, she does lots of adventures. She, she works at the fire department. As she volunteers at the fire department. Always hiking, always camping, always paddleboarding. She's just always on the go. So anyway, and then uh, Juliet is here with us today. She's back there. Uh, she lives here in uh, Groveport area. She's got a job working, uh, just trying to figure out life and that whole adult thing. <laughs> and she's doing pretty great at it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and Simon is still at home, like Nate said. He's a senior in high school, taking some college classes. And uh, he hopes, or maybe plans, I'm not really sure what the right word is, but uh, maybe joining the military after high school for him as well. 
Cool. Thanks for that update. So in the last few years, um, compared to you know, your initial ministry in West Virginia, things have, have morphed and changed, and God has done interesting things to, uh, to bring you to the place you're at with your ministry in West Virginia. Can you just kind of op- get pride an overview of, of what that's looked like for you guys, just the changes in the last Yeah, while? sure. Um, it's definitely, there's been some difficulties as we've gone. Um, but so, so when we first moved to West Virginia, we were helping to run a nonprofit ministry there. And uh, we found that a lot of our time was taken up with, um, you know, just doing the administrative work, um, managing staff, um, uh, working with mission teams that would come serve with us. And uh, for, for us, we found that we weren't really spending that much time with the locals. I mean, certainly we live there, so there was uh, some amount of time. But we really feel like we moved there to be with local people in McDowell County, West Virginia, and it just really wasn't happening. And, um, and God just moved us out of that ministry about two years ago. And, um, and so now we don't run a highly structured program or ministry, but it seems like God just keeps opening all these doors for us to get involved in people's lives there in the community. And so it's really been neat. Um, it's been exciting to see what, what God has been doing and the opportunities that he just puts right in front of us, just being there day to day with with locals. And I mean, we certainly, we have to be careful sometimes how we talk. We don't tell people in our community that we're missionaries usually because Many missionaries have come to the county. It, it's, it's a difficult place. Uh, most missionaries don't last more than a couple years, and then they're gone. And so there's a distrust for missionaries, and that term means something different to the people in our community. Uh, to them, that means, oh, this is someone who isn't going to live here much longer. I'm not going to share my life with them. They're just going to be gone soon. And so we try not to use words like that. Um, but... We just love being a part of the community, and uh, you know we do we do things um, like leading Bible studies, uh, home church on Sunday mornings. Right now, uh, we have some D groups going on, and um, there's a an organization in our county called Young Life. They're around the, the U.S. You might have heard of them. I'm on the um, committee for Young Life. I'm chairing that committee right now and just kind of helping them um, figure out how to operate and what things to do and not to do. And we're mentoring some different people. So, uh, you know, not quite the, the highly programmed things that we were doing, but Can you maybe a lot of one-on-one for, yeah, types of things. So, um, for, there's no doubt a lot of people here that haven't heard you spoke and haven't heard the, st- the stories about, even to understand. Could you provide a little bit of a context to McDowell County and the mm-hmm. setting that, you know, why there would be missionaries, you know, mm-hmm. coming to that area often, just that sort of setting, just to provide a little bit of context? Yeah, so, um, so McDowell County, West Virginia, it is the most southern county in West Virginia, and it at one time was one of the wealthiest counties in the U.S. Uh, most of that wealth came from coal mining, uh, some of it from uh, lumber, forestry, that kind of thing. But coal mines were definitely where the wealth came from. 
And as the, the coal mines started switching over to more mechanization and probably in the 50s, um, employees were getting laid off. They didn't need to work the mine. They didn't need as many people to work the mines. And so a mass migration started out of the county. Um, during that time frame, uh, there's some towns in our county that were labeled Little New York, uh, the Las Vegas of the East. People came to McDowell County. Uh, if they wanted to gamble, they came to McDowell County. If they wanted to see the big city, they came to McDowell County. And I know many of you have been there in the last 20 years. It is not like that at all. Um, buildings have, have crumbled. The, the forest has grown up and taken over a lot of those areas. Um, there, there's many, you know, infrastructure issues. Uh, the, the county lost, I think it's about 100,000 people in the last 60 years. And so if you could think of what an area would look like if 100,000 people left, mm. um, it, it takes a toll just visually on the way the area looks, not to mention all, all the infrastructure issues, government, just the different politics. Um, is there anything you'd like to add, Trudy? So with the, with the last you know, year and a half of, of, of uh, everyone sort of facing the, the COVID situation, how, how has that impacted your community, if, if uh, significant? Yeah, so we've seen some impacts, but probably not nearly uh, the impact that you guys have seen and, and felt here. Um, in, in some ways, it was almost like COVID didn't even exist it, sometimes. Yeah. Um, but we, we, we had, you know, a, a couple families left our home church because they didn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our D groups had to switch to virtual D groups for a couple weeks. <laughs> and then we're back to meeting in person again. So that was, that was pretty cool. There we was had only, some of those too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> For, for us, you know, we have to, to raise our own funds for the ministry that we do. And as COVID was was hitting our country, um, we were just really barely starting out in fundraising. So sure. that made a difference for us. We, we didn't feel like we could uh, travel to churches and, and visit with families and let them know what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so, so that took a toll, but I mean, God's been very gracious and, and really provided for our needs. So that's been cool. I, I guess one of the big things that we, we felt the impact was with refit. Uh, one of Trudy's ministries that she does, there's a, a, a free refit class. Um, it's a, uh, exercise dance fitness class. And she doesn't have to lead that. There's other people that do, but she gets a chance to lead a devotion and a prayer at each refit class, which has been really cool and has just brought a lot of those ladies together into a really close relationship. Uh, even if they don't know God, they always want Trudy to pray with them and they just open up and share what's going on. You know, like uh, what was talked about earlier, just some of that brokenness. Um, and so it's been a, a refit family there. And, and refit was canceled because of COVID. Came back for a little while and then canceled again. I know Trudy's really missing that, and you know, missing some of her refit family. And some of them, you know, she can catch up with some here and there, but a lot of people are just scared. Is know? it still on pause? What's yeah. that? It's still on pause right now. 
Yeah. Something to be praying about then that the powers that be flip that switch. All right. Um, yeah, so on that note of some of the lives that you guys are impacting, have impacted, um, what, what um, you know, do you have a couple of stories right now of, of uh, relationships that you're engaging in and, um, and, and working through and what settings those happen in? Yeah, so uh, one thing that's pretty neat, um, um, I'm mentoring a uh, guy who's the director of Young Life in the area, so uh, we put our heads together and designed a, in, an internship, six-week internship for uh, a 20-year-old friend of mine that um, when, when COVID hit, he was trying to take some college classes. They went online, and he just wasn't doing good, and so he decided college wasn't for him. He has a part-time job, but it, I mean, his favorite thing to do is to play video games, and so that's what he migrated to. And so, <laughs> so we've designed this little six-week program for him to get out and get busy and um, learn what's going on. Um, he's taking some seminary classes, uh, helping with some administrative work for Young Life, and he's required to meet with me once a week to talk about life planning. And so that's been really neat. Um, we're just dreaming about what life could look like for this guy if, if he could do anything he wanted. And he's never thought about that before. He just always thought, well, I'll, I'll get a job as a janitor if I can, and that'll be the rest of my life. I'll be doing that. And so he's just dreaming, like, wow. And is he a local kid, grew yeah. up in the area? Yeah, okay. graduated from the local high school. And, um, you know, he's, th- there's an obesity problem in our area, and he's, and he's large, and he knows it, and he wished it wasn't that way, but that's just the way he is. There's nothing you can do about it. And so now we're talking about, oh, what, maybe there is something you can do about that. Sure. What, what would you do if you could do something? And so just, just dreaming together wow. and, and talking through some things. Uh, he's had a part-time job, and when he gets a paycheck, he spends it on stuff he wants. And he's been living with his mom. He's 20 years old now. And, and she said, well, you know, you're not going to be able to live here that much longer. I'll, I'll give you another year. And he said, oh, no, I'm getting kicked out in a year. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> and, and she really hasn't prepared him. He doesn't know how to cut the grass. He doesn't know how to cook, doesn't know how to manage money. And so we get to talk about all those things. And it's someone that he's, he's really open because he knows he needs to do something. He's not going to have a place to live soon. And so it, that's been really fun, just, yeah, what just working with him in, that, in those different areas. And uh, Trudy, do you want to share about um, maybe Stephen last week at Life Group? So we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have home church. And last week we were able to celebrate communion together, which was just, it's always a beautiful time when we can do that as believers. And one of the men who have been coming uh, just recently started joining us. Uh, He's been in church his whole life and not really had a relationship with God. And I feel like God's doing something and drawing him near. But anyways, we celebrated communion and talked through what that means and kind of the symbols and all of it. He was blown away at the end um, and just said, just very vulnerable and opened up and said, I had no idea what communion was about. Wow. None. And, you know, this is, it's not that we're necessarily doing anything 
extra special. We're just living life with people and sharing what what our experiences is and our experience are and and walking through scriptures. So it's yeah, it's just incredible. Uh, the, we don't see a lot of the some of the you asked about McDowell County and some of the issues. Uh, one of the issues is the churches are just so unhealthy. There's uh, many preachers, and there are many churches in our area that are kind of dead and dying, but the preachers, most of them don't live in the county. They are actually preachers. They're not pastors. That's what they call themselves. Uh, they come on Sunday morning to their church, and they stand on the stage, and they preach usually very loud and obnoxiously, and then they go home to their families outside of the county, and they, they don't see the people. Wow throughout the week. And so that's a big difference in the way that um, we don't call ourselves preachers either. <laughs> Nate's not a preacher? What? <laughs> no. Yeah, but really there's, there's no full-time ministers yeah. in the community at all. So mm. we get a chance to do some of the things that a pastor normally would. Yeah. And, and certainly we have small groups, but like the community is our church in a way. So it's really yeah. different. Yeah. Um, so how about, you've you kind of alluded to, to personally those being growth points, but anything in particular that you find God stretching you guys in these days? Well, yeah, it seems like there's always something, right? Um, let's see, for me lately, uh, you know, I'm not a very extroverted type of person, and so when I'm in, you know, small groups with people teaching and, and leading, there's a, a certain level of vulnerability that that God's always stretching me, you know, sharing life with, with my 20-year-old friend who, who needs to know everything, how everything in the world works right now. I, I get to tell him what I know, and he hears a lot about my life, and yeah. sometimes that's not very pretty. So um, God's definitely stretching me in, in that area, and, and also just trying to be gracious. Um, you know, the, the, the community's very broken. Um, you can see the brokenness in people's lives all the time, and, it, and it's really easy to be judgmental. It, I mean, it's hard not to be judgmental sometimes, yeah. and I, I definitely feel challenged. God is challenging me to be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and just be gracious with people because there's, you know, there's so many backstories, and, and you just don't know what they are, yeah. and, and so definitely being stretched like that. For me, uh, it's uh, probably just being really challenged with just a very consistent and devoted time in the Word and in prayer with the Lord, and then out of that, doing what the Lord is compelling me to do instead of my natural way is to just go and do, 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 do everywhere, like do whatever I want, but um, taking that time to really sit with the Lord and, and understand what he has created me to do instead of what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Join the club. Constant. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a lesson that we can, uh, we can all line up with. So as, as we head into the fall of 2021 and face 2022 in the, in the face, um, what are you guys most excited about? What are, what's on your hearts and minds as, you, uh, as we turn this page? Yeah, so I, I'm definitely really excited about this um, mentoring with uh, my 20-year-old friend. I, it's, I'm really excited about where that's going. We're, uh, we've got a lot of ground 
still to cover in front of us, so super excited about that. Uh, we've got um, probably D groups multiplying is what we're praying about around the first of the year. Um, it'll be our third generation of D groups starting, and um, as you guys know, I think you guys have been doing D groups. Uh, there's just so much benefit to meeting people in in that you know environment, spending time with the Lord, and then meeting together and, and talking about uh, what you've learned. So, so have you had D groups? Replicate or are all yes. the, are you guys a part of all the D groups? Yeah, we've had D groups replicate once, and um, so there's a few that we're not in. But I like I'm in two right now because yeah. it's just a little bit easier. We've we've decided when our D groups replicate, um, it, it will probably be very uncommon for everybody in the D group to go out and start their own. It's more likely that we'll divide up into pairs. Yeah twos yeah. or threes to go start new ones. That's really helpful for, for our people. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great, I mean, especially given the context that you shared and for a lot of people that have been in D groups uh, here and then have replicated or been a part of a new group, uh, it's, it's not, it's a little bit intimidating, right. right? Especially if you've got someone that you kind of look to as the leader and all of a sudden, oh, wait a second. I'm I'm kind of a leader, or I need to facilitate this, and or or go out and invite people to a group. And so yeah. the fact that you've had some that replicate and have gone on in existence without the two of you driving it, um, mm. that's praise God for that. Yeah. I mean that is a huge that's a, that's a huge influx of discipleship into a community mm-hmm. that, uh, that that didn't have that. And it also speaks to the the functionality of the D group model. Right. And, and that it actually, um, if you just have that bunch of people in a group of 15 uh, and you say, well, go make another group of 15. Uh, it's, it's just not going to happen in a, in a life group model um, like that. So yeah. That's awesome. And when you think about it, it, it if there's new believers that don't know anything about scripture or about God and you want to replicate in roughly a year, boy, a year's really not that much time. So multiplying in, in twos or threes just gives yeah. young believers more time to grow. And, and one of the challenges we face is what, what do you do when you have people in your D group that don't know how to read? That's a new challenge yeah. that we're just starting to... Um, try to figure out. We haven't had to address it head on. We, we've had some people that can't read well, and we just don't call it a D group. It's it's a much longer process teaching to to read and understand comprehension, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll be running into that more and more. So we're brainstorming. Wow. <laughs> God bless you. That that's a whole that's a whole nother realm for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, some other things happening. Um, Soccer just kicked off in our community this fall, and we're uh, coaching a team together of 12 to 17-year-olds, and so that's been that's fun. We've had uh, two practices so far, no games yet. Uh, it's a great way for us to get to know more people in our community. Uh, yeah, we kind of do it maybe like upward a little bit. We we pray with with our team. I mean, certainly. The, the other teams don't have coaches praying with them and probably don't know we are. <laughs> but, but we pray with the kids. Yeah. Trudy even asked our team at the last practice, hey, do any of you guys want to pray? And one kid volunteered. So he tried to say the Lord's Prayer because that's what he'd heard before, and it was cool. So um, anything else you wanted to add to? Pickleball. Oh, pickleball. Yeah, we've, we've 
joined a pickleball league. It's a brand new league in our county seat, Welch. And uh, so it, it's been a lot of fun. We've met tons of people playing pickleball. I think there's been 28 people that joined the pickleball league, which 28 people don't do anything in Welch. So <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> they, like they came out and it's, you get exercise and, and it's a fun competition and that's, a, that's it. Like, and there's still people coming. <laughs> Praise God for pickleball. I was, right. I'd never seen it until two, last weekend. We saw games going on. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, instead of us having to design lots of programs it, to, to draw people into what we're doing, we get to see what other programs and stuff is already happening in the community, and we get to go join. Yeah, we can go join the other th- programs and get ourselves out in the community. So it's a, yeah, kind of a different model maybe but I feel like that's kind of what Jesus did so we're going to do it too <laughs> go with yeah I'd say go with it <laughs> it's worked it worked okay for him <laughs> um, so as we uh, continue to support you as a body um, what uh, what things come to mind of how we can best support you you know ongoing so uh, certainly be praying for us. We do send out a monthly newsletter. If you don't get that, you can uh, sign up for that. We have a website if you're interested, ignitehope.me. You can sign up to get that newsletter. Uh, we, we, we try to make sure we send it out every month. Sometimes it is a bit vague. We, we have a lot of locals that sign up for the newsletter too, and so we have to be really careful what we say and how we say it. And a lot of times we speak in more general terms. Uh, but we do share prayer requests and praises and small updates about ministry or maybe our family or whatever's on our hearts. So, uh, yeah, read our newsletters, pray for us. Uh, we're a little short on finances. Uh, we can always use financial supporters. Um, just uh, stay connected with us. And, yeah, I think that's yeah. about it. Anything else? Anything else that, um, that you wanted to share with, uh, with the folks this morning? Well, just thanks for having us here today. It's, it's great to be with you guys. Thank you for the support that New Life sends. We really appreciate that. Um, I don't know. Well, we, want, we, we are appreciative of you coming and remaining connected as well. I mean, that's a huge part of, of uh, you know, just having a, a functional... M- missionary, uh, we'll call you mission. I, I don't really think about Nate and Trudy as missionaries, but I know you're missionaries. Other people would call you missionaries. I think right. you have Nate and Trudy. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, it's, it's so much more. And we've got, you know, Steve has shared in the last few months about his ministry and with, you know, the way that we've had, um, have developed a closer relationship with uh, with Heisen and Esmeralda, our missionaries in Kosovo that we, we go now regularly to, and, and you guys are familiar with Pastor Philip in South Africa. So to be able to have, you know, first name relationships with the, the people that we are um, supporting, and a big part of that is is showing up once in a while, you know, and just being able to shake your hand and, and meet you and, and the other folks I mentioned. Um, Tom Woodward is another one that was here not too long ago. And so just to be able to do that is huge. And so, and I know you guys are busy. You've got, you know, kids doing various things and pickleball to play and soccer leagues to be at. And so to be here is not the easiest thing. 
Um, so we appreciate that um, very, very much. And so um, with that, why don't I just close our time now with a, with a word of prayer and the worship team will come back up and then make sure you, you make a point of introducing yourselves to, we had a lot of new faces here, certainly since the last time uh, you've been here, because it's probably been over two years. Um, so make, make a point of introducing yourself to Nate and Trudy and hear a little bit more about um, their story before, uh, before you take off this morning. Let's go ahead and pray. Um, dear Lord, I'm so grateful for the friendship that we have with, with Nate and Trudy and just the ongoing relationship that we've been able to maintain and foster. And we're just so grateful for your work in their ministry in McDonald County and in their family. And the, I'm, I'm always amazed, have been for years, at the, the heart that you've put in them. They're, they've been a... Um, they inspire me for years. For a decade ago, they went to Mexico for months at a time, and then moving their entire family to West Virginia, they have inspired myself and many families here over the years to really ask ourselves: Are we putting, um, are we, are we putting um, into action? what we sense God speaking to us in our lives. And so they've been an inspiration. They have done that. They have lived out what God has asked them to, to do. And I thank you for that example. And um, I just am grateful for the time we've had to have them to share this morning some of the things that God is doing through them uh, in, in West Virginia. And again, Lord Jesus, just bless their ministry, bless their family, um, keep Drew especially safe as he serves. And uh, we just, again, just uh, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.